This podcast is sponsored by the Joyce Foundation, which invests in public policies to advance racial equity and economic mobility for the next generation in the Great Lakes region. Welcome back to the Cranes Trade Business Podcast from the Mackinac Policy Conference. I'm Chad Livingood, Senior Editor at Cranes Trade Business. I am joined right now on Media Row with Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chad. Good to be here with you. It's good to see you in person. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's been too long. We were just talking uh, uh, before we started recording about uh, sort of our pandemic life and uh, and just the balance. You've got uh, uh, kids of the same age as mine, and and so uh, you're... Uh, you you all you've been living the same kind of uh, dream and nightmare as, oh I, as I have. None of none of the things related to parenting during the pandemic were theoretical at all for me. And <laughs> I, I tried to share that with people that look, my my wife and I are are you know struggling to get our kids to to log on to remote learning. We're also trying to cope with these very real questions from them that we don't have answers to. And so I just wanted people to know that I empathize with that because I I was telling my kid I don't know more than I have ever said to them, you know, in the last year and a half. But we can we're we're on a path now and hope we'll be able to get through it. But you're the lieutenant governor. You should know, right? Is that what they say to you? Well, apparently, yes. <laughs> right. that, my my daughter said that to me directly. <laughs> but uh, I, I I was able to 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 let her know that Daddy will tell you as soon as he figures it out. Yeah. So um, here we are in September of 2021. We've been in this new life for 18 months. There's been a whole lot of lessons learned. Um, I guess, what are some of the lessons you've learned uh, about uh, Michigan, about our people, and and also just about public health? Well, one, I think that the phrase public health actually means something to a lot more people than it did previously. I think sure. public health was, you know, recognizing that it, being a public health professional is different from being a medical doctor. And I think that people recognize on balance, you know, maybe not the loudest people in the state, but people recognize that, you know, our collective health matters to our collective well-being. And, and, I, and I hope that um, we'll carry that forward, that, that we have a role to play in everyone else being healthy. And then the, one of the, the second big learning that I have is comes from the work I, I, I helped. Uh, I led the racial disparities task force um, yeah. on coronavirus and. What I learned in that effort is that when you focus on, you know, putting resources towards solving a problem, you can make progress on solving that problem. And the state of Michigan was a national leader, is a national leader in terms of flattening racial disparities as they present themselves in COVID-19. So that gives me confidence to know that, you know, leaders and managers and, and people stepping up to the plate can make a difference when they choose to focus on a problem. One of the pillars of this conference is focused on uh, equity and racial justice. What are some tangible things you think from a public policy standpoint, we can, people can come out of this conference and go home and, and get done either in the legislature or in city or county government or their businesses? Well, I hope that a big thing that can hopefully be reinforced in this conference and the conversations around this is that the difference between equity and equality means that we have to recognize that people are starting from different places and that people have different needs. And so our policy responses, the way that we fund things needs to be responsive to those needs. And I think a good example of that is the education budget that the governor signed into law in June of this year. It 
introduced equity to the way we weight the foundation formula when it comes to funding public education in the state in a way that has not been present previously. Couple that with, you know, achieving equalization in a way that hasn't been achieved since Proposal A was passed. I think it's a good example and hopefully sets a new floor for how we can do the kind of responsive funding to meet uh, families and children where they are. Some of that was made possible by the federal stimulus funds, for sure. It probably wouldn't have been possible without that. Um, do, do policymakers then need to sort of start working on the long term fix now? Is this is this just this is just a short term uh, change, right? It's not well, permanent yet. So I see this as we intend for this to set a new floor when it comes to equity. And so having these federal resources, we need to use them to, to meet our goals. And, and our goal certainly as an administration, the governor and I, is to make sure that we can get resource to communities that need them that are responsive to their unique needs. And so I think the education budget is a good example of it. And it is up to policymakers. It is up to the legislature um, that is that's job is to appropriate resources to meet the needs of Michiganders to now think about what can we do to extend this progress over the long term. So we can use one time dollars from one time things. We can also use one time dollars to demonstrate the way we can invest in our people going forward. And that's the big opportunity that's presented from these American Rescue Plan dollars and from the dollars that we expect to be coming from the federal government you know, going forward for the rest of this year. The, the legislature is back in session tomorrow on Tuesday, the, the September 21st, and they're, and they're going to start working on potential final votes on the uh, omnibus general fund budget. Uh, can you tell us something about what's in the budget or what kind of priorities the governor got in the uh, deal she struck last week with the legislative leadership? You know, our, our budget priorities have been, frankly, the same that they were when we announced our budget recommendation back in February of this year. And we're glad to see that, the you know, progress is made and that we have a, a high level agreement and we're working towards finalizing that. So I, I hope the legislature does work expeditiously because these dollars need to be deployed in the community. But we're going to focus on things like how can we invest in our people? That's our education like we did with the school aid budget, but also our workforce programs like Michigan Reconnect and Futures for Frontliners, SEALs funded, bipartisan programs that are popular with residents that are popular with employers to build out our workforce how we can fund things like access to childcare. We put forward aggressive proposals because what we've seen during this pandemic is one of the primacy and importance of having access to childcare. You know, nothing unlocks your parental productivity like having a safe place to have your children. So our childcare proposal sure. we put forward, you know, put forward, um, you know, $370 million to expand childcare access to 150,000 families to better incentivize people to start childcare businesses, to pay childcare workers better. And so this, this child care unlocking that kind of productivity will help us unlock economic gains and economic potential in communities across Michigan. This podcast is sponsored by the Joyce Foundation, which invests in public policies to advance racial equity and economic mobility for the next generation in the Great Lakes region. Um, on the issue of equity, um, this week in Cranes, I wrote about uh, transit, uh, and when I started thinking about this conference and sort of the broad issue of equity, uh, I wanted to find something, some subject to maybe kick the tires on, to be honest, uh, and and I just have just observed transit more and more and just how people get to work. Um, and, and particularly in this labor market crisis right now, it just strikes me as, uh, as, as sort of one of the subjects that 
just is not being uh, given enough uh, uh, time to. You have uh, a lot of experience in, in moving around in buses. You lived carless in Detroit for a while. Um, talk a little bit about that experience of, of you get from, you live in Corktown, right? Mm-hmm. And get from Corktown to you, you all, you had to go to Ann Arbor, uh, yes. right? To commute. Yes. yes. What, what was that like? So this is something that is very uh, deeply important and personal to me and my family. When we came home to Detroit seven years ago, um, we made the choice to go car free and we did so for almost three years. My wife and I, with at the time was our twin babies. And we we made that choice because um, we think that this infrastructure is worth investing in and we needed to experience it and understand it so we could figure out how to improve it. And so there was a time in 2018 when I worked for six months in Ann Arbor and had to commute without a car to Ann Arbor from Corktown, Detroit. There is not a direct public bus that would serve me. Um, I tried to take the Amtrak train. That was unre- that was unreliable. And from the Baltimore from, Street? From the new Baltim- from yeah. the Baltimore uh, Junction Station yeah. to Ann Arbor. I ultimately, for the most part, took a Greyhound bus that was headed to Chicago that would pick me up around the corner from where I live. That bus was late every day in both directions, sometimes hours late. And so I had a job where I wouldn't get fired for being late to work, but a lot more people have jobs where they would get fired with that circumstance. So it showed there's a huge gap and that gap, that disconnect from a transit infrastructure perspective. There are so many people with ideas in Detroit who can have those ideas grow in, in Ann Arbor. There are so many people with ideas in Ann Arbor who could have those ideas grow in Detroit and all the communities in between. And that disconnect, the ability or the lack of ability for ideas and people and goods and services to move efficiently like that is a detriment to our regional economy and our state economy ultimately. So I, I appreciate you honing in on equity as a real gap when it comes to access to transportation and mobility. And it perhaps might be the fundamental equity or inequity that we have to address right now. So, how do you how do you change this conversation? Because we've been kind of mired in a in a property tax debate, basically in in Southeast Michigan for for twenty, thirty, well, even fifty years. Really, it's been going on. Well, you know, as you point out, we we've had this system where just some communities just choose not to participate in yeah. in this kind of regional collaboration, and ultimately, as we've seen in other parts of the country, um, collaboration is the key to success here. I'm leading a tour across the state of Michigan, including many cities in Southeast Michigan called Thriving Cities. And it's about what do we need to do and invest in from a program policy and practice perspective to improve quality of life in cities. And one of the pillars of that conversation is access to mobility and transportation services that are affordable, that are reliable, that are safe, that are convenient and actually go where you need them to go, that connect people to jobs and education and healthcare and entertainment. And so we've, we've announced some um, some pieces that are around how we want to spend mobility resources that can, one, help support locals to not only electrify their fleets, but also to grow their routes, to serve more people in more places and for, throughout more times of day so that more people who work in different sectors of our economy can really experience um, this kind of connected transit. We want to encourage municipality or municipal systems to connect with one another in a way that hasn't always been possible. There have been attempts to do this uh, before in Southeast Michigan. We need to not give up because I do think that it is, will be key to retaining and attracting talent. It will be key to making to the placemaking efforts that we want to see that will um, enable businesses to want to be located in Southeast Michigan and in our state. If we invest in this infrastructure, it's some of the best dollars we can spend along with connecting people to the internet. 
Uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, kind of closing thoughts. What's uh, what? What are you hoping to sort of achieve at the conference this this week? Well, I am uh, glad to be here with such a broad array of thinkers and, and and leaders who are thinking about where we need to go forward in the short term and the long term in the state of Michigan. So I'm I'm always looking forward to building relationships with folks who I may not have seen before and but are seeing now, and we all have a a role to play in the state's future. I'm also looking to really articulate our administration's perspective and agenda on what it takes to jumpstart and grow our economy coming out of this pandemic. We know what we're hearing from people in the workforce who are hungry to return. They're hungry for training and new experiences. They're hungry for access to childcare so they can be their most productive selves. They're looking forward to, to, to better pay and jobs that better match their skills and their dreams. We also are looking forward to creating a, a, the conditions for more people with ideas to launch those ideas in the world in Michigan. So I'm having conversations with folks about how we can impact our, our venture capital market to incentivize more people to start new businesses. Our state programs can fill in the gaps that federal programs left startup businesses and our smallest businesses out of. You know, how do we make it so that this is the best place in the world to have an idea? So Michigan can lead the country in new business starts coming out of this pandemic. We have the resources available to us in a way that we never have to make that true. And those are the conversations I'm helping to facilitate at this conference. And I'm looking forward to, to engaging with them after the conference as well. Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Good talking to you. Thank you, Chad. My pleasure. In person. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care. I'm Chad Livingood, Senior Editor at Crane's Detroit Business. You've been listening to our podcast from the Mackinac Policy Conference. This podcast is sponsored by the Joyce Foundation, which invests in public policies to advance racial equity and economic mobility for the next generation in the Great Lakes region.